Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, September 17th, 2020. Before we get to uh, today's article, I want to caution everybody, all the members of my website, that I am not going to be able to have the vid chat tomorrow, and the reason being... I recently, just earlier this week, discovered my driver's license had expired at the end of August. I got no notification from the state, nothing. So I'm going to have to go try and get that resolved tomorrow. And most of you who live in the United Socialist States of America know what a nightmare the driver's license bureaus usually are. So... There's no way for me to predict how long it's going to take. It could be hours. So anyway, um, there won't be a vid chat tomorrow. I'm going to try and reschedule it. And for those of you who've already sent in questions, uh, I will archive those. And also, I am imposing the three-page rule. Uh, get your questions and comments whittled down to three pages. Uh, as the website grows and we're adding more and more members, it's just increasingly difficult for me to maintain uh, the usual practice that we've had of, you know, multi-page commentaries. Anyway, I want to talk today about Japan's new prime minister. We have a new prime minister in Japan and what that might mean. And I want you to listen to some of these articles. The first one is a short, brief article from Reuters. And then the second article is an article titled, On VJ Day, U.S. Pushes for a Stronger Japanese Military. There, uh, this was an article by Jack Detch, uh, published August 15th, so just last month. And there's a couple of interesting things in this article I want to bring to your attention because... It, uh, to my mind, portends some interesting potential developments, and I emphasize potential developments. Uh, as always, when you're making predictions, you're reading tea leaves. So, But nonetheless, I do think that there are some significant things uh, to watch for, and I want you to put all of this, these articles in the context of what I've been blogging about. And basically, that is that we're watching the emergence of a new geopolitical reality in Asia regarding China. And I've been calling this the quadruple entente, quadruple for the four nations, I think, are part of an informal understanding. Uh, and, of course, entente meaning precisely that, an understanding. And the understanding is China is a mess, China is a threat, and we've got to contain it. And most geopolitical analysis that you'll read out there about the formation of this group maintains that the four interested parties are the uh, powers are the United States, Japan, India, and Australia. Okay. Now, I do think Australia is certainly in the mix here, but it's not a major power. All right. To me, the fourth member of this quadrangle or this quadruple entente is actually Russia, all right? And I've outlined my reasons in various blogs for saying that. But uh, today we're concentrated on Japan because we have a new prime minister in Japan. His name is Yoshihide Suga. He has not 
officially been installed as prime minister. However, since Shinzo Abe steps down as the leader, uh, uh, as the prime minister, they have had a leadership election in the Liberal Democratic Party in Japan, and Mr. Yoshihide Suga has won that leadership contest very handily. So I'm reading now from the very beginning of the Reuters article, and I'm quoting here, Japanese Chief Cabinet Secretary Yoshihide Suga, a loyal aide to outgoing Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, won a landslide victory in a ruling party leadership election on Monday, paving the way for Japan's first change of leader in nearly eight years. Suga, 71, who has promised to continue Abe's main policies. Latch on to that one, folks, because I think we're looking at the possibility of more than just continuance. I think we're looking at the possibility of intensification, but we'll get back to that. Suga71, who's promised to continue Abe's main policies, said his big win would give him the backing to pursue his reform goals including deregulation and breaking down bureaucratic silos, and that containing the novel coronavirus and reviving the economies were conditions for calling a snap general election. As I got big support in numbers today, the environment in which I can pursue my policy agenda in a stable man manner has been secured, Suga told a news conference. Suga won 377 votes, out of 534 votes cast and 535 possible votes in the leadership election by the Liberal Democratic Party members of Parliament and representatives of its 47 local chapters. Uh, Ravel Shigeru Ishiba, a former defense minister, won 68 votes, and ex-foreign minister Fumio Kishida got 89. So in other words, Mr. Suga has won uh, his leadership race very handily and that number one tells me that he was more or less the anointed replacement for mr abe from the beginning in other words expect abe's policies to continue but as i say i think we're going to see some intensification of those policies now the second article by jack uh detch from august 15th 2020 uh, the And again, I will link these as I always do, but this second article is titled, On VJ Day, the United States Pushes for a Stronger Japanese Military. I want to jump right to the end of this article to four important paragraphs, um, because these four paragraphs, plus the context of this emerging quadruple entente, are what I think signal an intensification of Mr. Abe's policies that we can perhaps anticipate under Mr. Suga. All right. So beginning here at the uh, fifth paragraph from the end of this article, quote, in 2013, Abe pushed through a rewrite of Japan's national defense guidelines with an eye to China's increasingly brazen incursions into the Shinkaku Islands, which stretch away far to the southwest of the Japanese home islands. That nearby security concern has dictated a lot of Japan's recent modernization. 
Abe also championed the development of a rapidly deployable amphibious brigade that could defend the Shinkakus in the East China Sea, placed surface-to-air missiles on the islands, and refashioned a destroyer as a baby flat-top to carry American fifth-generation F-35 fighter jets. But former officials still aren't sure that Japan has the capability to help out if a conflict kicks off farther away from home. Listen to that one, another key point. That matters to U.S. planners because Washington wants to be able to count on Tokyo's help when it comes to, among other things... Chinese militarization of the South China Sea and its growing efforts to elbow aside India in the Indian Ocean, as well as revamping the quadrilateral security dialogue that includes Australia and India. But Japan has spent so many decades playing in front of the goal that some experts fear it can't move much further afield. They've had their own realignment within Japan to meet the challenge in the South China Sea because they themselves had a legacy posture for the Cold War, said Randall Schriever, a former Assistant Secretary of Defense for Indo-Pacific Security Affairs during the Trump administration. When you get further away, it gets more difficult because they weren't built for that. Abe is taking steps there, too. His Liberal Democratic Party has set up a working group, and that's considering the possibility of adding conventional missile strike capabilities to Japan's arsenal, a major move that would potentially expand its reach to launch attacks onshore in China. But Japanese law still prohibits the purchase of full-scale aircraft carriers, intercontinental ballistic missiles, and, of course, nuclear weapons, unquote. So... You've got two things going on here. In the background, you've got this cultural thing, the post-war Japanese pacifism, that could delay any further uh, Japanese rearmament or policy reevaluation. Now, I'm mentioning that because I think it's very significant that Mr. Abe chose now, ostensibly for health reasons, to step down as the premier of Japan, and they're bringing in Mr. Suga. I think, and again, this is pure speculation, because of this cultural thing in the background, this has been the major block so far. But look what has happened in just this last year. Mr. Abe has indicated that he would be willing to help finance the build-out of some infrastructure in the Philippines so that the United States can reopen its big naval base that used to be there. It's an old Cold War relic that used to be there in the Philippines at the Subic Bay Naval Base in the Philippines. And Japan has indicated a major willingness to contribute major financial backing to build out the infrastructure necessary to reestablish that. So in other words, what that translates into is a willingness on Japan's part to extend the perimeter or area of its responsibility militarily in the Pacific, in the Western Pacific. And the other thing that has happened just this year, in fact, just a few weeks ago, is that Japan and India inked 
an actual formal pact, which is almost completely military in nature. They signed an agreement to lend logistical support to each other's military forces if the situation arose and they had to do so. So in other words, what that's telling you is that India is thinking about expanding its capability to become more than just a naval power in the Indian Ocean, but also in the Pacific Ocean, okay? And vice versa, that also means that Japan has a long-range goal to be able to field a military that far away from Japan in the Indian Ocean. If India is lending logistical support to Japanese forces, that means Japan is planning on a military that can be deployed and sustained that far away from Japan. Okay? This is what all of this means. Now, I suspect that in spite of the cultural breaks that are, exist in Japan, I suspect that the leadership change was precisely timed and calculated to occur after these events and that the leadership change is going to signal a more vigorous application or more vigorous pursuit of Japanese military expansion. And I don't mean military expansion simply in terms of the size of the Japanese self-defense force but I mean in terms of its capability and particularly its ability perhaps ultimately to uh, have some sort of missile strike capability. So I think we can expect over the next few years from Mr. Suga some very sweeping changes. Now, why is this important to you? Because It's important to you because what you're seeing is the beginning of a containment policy with respect to China. And I think that regardless of who's in office in Swampington, D.C., or Canberra, or New Delhi, or Tokyo, and Moscow, that you're going to see that containment policy ratchet up very slowly over the next few years. And that means they're going to have to reshore industry, particularly pharmaceuticals with the COVID virus, uh, which appears to be one of the objectives of that plan scamdemic to get pharmaceuticals out of China and back into uh, the home countries. Because if you're going to have a military containment or even the potential of a military conflict with China, you can't be relying on China for your medical supplies for your wounded soldiers. It's just that simple. So I think you're going to see some very interesting things coming out of Japan in the next few years from Mr. Suga. Uh, I do expect a gradual intensification. I do not expect initially Mr. Suga to go out and announce to the Japanese people, hey, we need to change our constitution. We need to raise the spending limits. We need to get rid of all of these ridiculous provisions that we cannot have aircraft carriers or ballistic missiles and so on and so forth. Um, those restraints are there, but it should be noted that Japan certainly has the technology to develop those things literally at the snap of, a fing of the fingers. Uh, it's a turnkey power in many respects, including nuclear weapons. So I think you're going to see Suga pressing for this, uh, perhaps rewriting the interpretation of the Constitution with a view eventually towards perhaps raising some of those constitutional defense spending limits.
But anyway, I think this is a very significant development. It's a little more confirmation that we're watching the formation of this quadruple entente. Uh, the countries, as I've said recently, to watch are precisely Japan and India. I think you're going to also have to watch Japan and Russia uh, very carefully. That will be a huge signal as to what's going on. Anyway, that's it. Remember, there's no uh, vid chat tomorrow. I'm going to have to reschedule that. Please wish me luck on getting my driver's license renewed. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in a pretty bad bind. So, and I thank you all for putting up with all of the delays and reschedulings that we've had to have uh, this year, 2020. Uh, 2020 seems to have been just nothing but a year of chaos for pretty much everybody that I know. Anyway, I want to thank uh, VT and KB for sharing those articles with me, and I'll see everybody on the flip side. Bye-bye, and God bless.